We're continuing today the second part of our series entitled God Chasers. And, uh, and so we have been talking about uh, chasing after God and coming after him and, and, and knowing what it means to seek him and have passion for him. And so we want to continue that today. And today I want to talk to you about the subject of true worship. I want to talk about true worship. Now, I believe outside of salvation that there is no more of an important subject in the Bible than that of worship. In fact, if you really think about it, the entirety of the Bible sort of has its roots in this idea of worship and the spiritual forces of darkness. And we like to call him Satan because he's ahead of it. From the very, very beginning, I want you to think about Adam and Eve. That all that fuss and all that fight about all the way, all the way back in the beginning was Satan wanted the worship of God. He wanted man, us, to worship him. So this has been the big fight. It's all about worship. There's been, as we think about it, there are wars and rumors of wars. There are conflicts in nations all across the world because of this thing of worship. Now, understand something. Innately, we have been designed to worship. Every human being has been designed to worship. And what has happened is, because our worship has been misplaced, we have a world that is full of sin and in a world that is full of pain and hardship over this issue of worship. And we'll talk more about that here in a moment. But I want you to understand something that Satan has exploited this subject for his own purposes. He has always wanted the worship of God. He has always wanted mankind to worship him. In fact, we see a little bit of that and because he really plainly, plainly say it in Matthew chapter number four. If you look at that verse for me, Matthew chapter four, verse eight and nine, the Bible talks about Jesus. Uh, the devil is tempting Jesus as he's out in the wilderness for 40 days. He's fasting. He's believing God. He's about to start his ministry. And look what the devil does. And the Bible says, again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. How many know the saints still doing the same thing today? He's showing men all the stuff of the world. You can have this. Remember, we said to Adam and Eve, if you eat this thing, I know what God said, but don't listen to that. Because, you see, if you do this thing, then you will be like God. God is really keeping stuff from you. And if, but if you do it, man, you'll be like God. You will have it all if you just go ahead and do this thing. And we all know what, what happened to our world as a consequence of them doing that. But Satan, in very plain terms, he says it here in the Gospel of Matthew. And I believe it's also recorded in John. The devil takes him up, Jesus, up to a very high mountain. And how many know if, he take, if he's tempting Jesus, how many know that he's going to tempt us? Come on, church. He's tempting Jesus now. He takes Jesus up, the creator. He takes up Jesus to a very high mountain, show him all the kingdoms of the world, and their splendor showed them all the glory of it. And all this I will give you. This is what he said to Jesus. I'll give it, I'll give it all to you. He said, if you will bow down and what? Worship me. From the beginning, this is the fight about our worship. 
And Satan wants it. And so we have a world today and people don't even understand it, but they are worshiping. They are, if they're not in Christ, they are by default worshiping the enemy. And they don't even know it. By default, they came into it. And because, and now, now the, the part of the deception is that, 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 that we, we worship, and we see this manifest in so many ways because we worship people, we worship things. Uh, you know, the Bible says, that's why God says, have no other gods before me. Because when men worship everything other than God, that's when men get in trouble, and that's why we are in trouble today. So I want to broaden your perspective on this issue of worship because you understand uh, that, that worship is not, when people think of worship, they have some really crazy ways of thinking about it. Worship of God is not about just singing a song and doing a couple of activities when you come to church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? Worship goes much, much deeper than that. And, and I believe that part of the problem why we have so many Christians who are not where they need to be in God is because they don't understand this principle. We got a lot of Christians that do a lot of good things other than understand what it really means to worship God. So we worship activities. There are a lot of people that rather do activities than get to know God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? They'd rather serve and do all these little things and serve and do all this stuff. And But how do you know that our worship and our service ought to be born out of our love and affection for him? We put the cart before the horse and we want to put the activities before we really get to know who it is that we're serving. And as a consequence, we run dry, we crash and we burn because we don't understand that our happiness will come from a relationship with him. It will come from a deeper place of worship. And how many know worship is not a Sunday thing? Uh, we don't go to worship we worship wherever we go. Amen. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? We don't go to worship. As a Christian, you worship God. You under, that's, that's who you are. Everywhere you go, you're in the spirit of worshiping. Why? Because you're in his presence. And his presence is not confound to 75 Moncure Lane, Stafford, Virginia. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Amen. It goes much, much deeper than that. Fundamentally, worship is about our relationship to God. It's about our love for him. It is about our willingness to serve him, to surrender to him, to obey him. These are expressions of our worship. And so it's not simply a matter of clapping your hands and doing a couple of activities God wants so much more than that. And you won't be happy until you get that revelation. But somebody will be helped today. I said a moment ago that you were made to worship. I want to back that up by scripture. And, as a, and one of the things, if you really think about this, I want you to kind of think around you, listen to the news. And you all see the news. Every person seeks to worship something. Drugs, right? Alcohol, sex. You know, addictions has its root in worship. Addictions. Because you're seeking something. You're seeking some satisfaction. You're seeking something that will fix you, give you a high, and you do whatever that thing wants you to do. You become its slave. And how many know that's a worship that is misplaced? All right? 
So we were created to worship. The problem is, is that in that creation, because innately everybody knows, you know, I'm supposed to be something. I, I know it. You know it inside. When you walk upon the earth, when you, walk, when you look around, you see life all around you. When you stare down creation, you know that there is something greater, bolder. You know that you were called to worship something greater than yourself. You know you were created. You know it. And every man knows instinctively and that's why they're constantly seeking it. The Bible says here, and, and I love this book because it's going to show us where we're supposed to be. The Bible says in Revelation 4.11, for an example, watch this church. It says, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Watch this. For you created everything. Are y'all getting that? God, how many know God through Christ? created everything. Everything that is made, God, through Christ, created it. Why does God want my worship? Why should we give him our worship? Because he created you to worship him and him alone. Watch. For you created everything and it is for your pleasure. There it is. How many of God didn't create you for your pleasure? How do you know you were created for his pleasure? How are you getting that, church? We were created for his pleasure. See, you know, I always say when a thing works, when you work a thing according to its design, you would get the best result from it. Because you, you, you know what I'm saying? So if you, if you buy a car and you read the manual from front to cover and you do everything they say that you're supposed to do with that car with oil changes and everything else, how many you know that that car will last you a whole lot longer? It'll run better. And the reason why some of us are paying high car bills is, is because we're not letting the thing, we're not functioning, we're not driving it according to its design. We're taking shortcuts. And then it's like, oh, and it's the same thing with God. We want to take shortcuts. So we look for other things and we want God and I want God and this. God and that. God, God is not enough. So what do we do? We, we get sidetracked. We get ourselves into a ditch. He says here, for you created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. So we were made for him. We were made to worship him, the God of the Bible, the God of Isaac, Jacob, and Abraham. We were made for his pleasure. The Bible says, Romans 12, 1, this very familiar passage of scripture. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies. How many of your bodies don't even belong to you? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer it up. Don't belong to you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. What? Holy and pleasing unto who? Muhammad? John? Becky? Pleasing unto who? God. Why? Because that's who we live for. That's who we worship. Holy and, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. 
And remember I said before that that act of worship, and this is a, a great verse that, that really drives home the point. This goes to show that our act of worship, because if I'm going to be a living holy sacrifice, li listen, this, this is something that goes beyond what I'm doing here on Sunday morning. It's not just me coming to church on Sunday morning. How many know that people, there's a disconnect between what people do on Sunday morning and how they live during the course of the week for a lot of folk? You know what I'm saying? There's this disconnect. They don't understand. They think, so on Sunday, I'm going to be, I'm gonna, you know, you come to church, we be all nice. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying. We say nice things and we try to be all spiritual. But how many know that this is just supposed to be a continuation of what's been happening all through the course of the week? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? That you've been loving him, you've been serving him. You imagine an atmosphere whereby we came here on Sundays and everybody was all throughout the week worshiping God, living for him, honoring him the way that they should. And then you come in here on Sunday. What do you think that atmosphere will look like? Boy, you wouldn't have to beg nobody. How many know you wouldn't have to beg nobody to sing because you know you already been singing hallelujah. It ain't, all, it ain't so much about the song. Those are just acts of worship. Those are expressions of worship. But they're to be born out of a lifestyle of continuous worship to God. You understand what I'm saying, church? And so, yeah, well, Pastor, you know, we, why do we clap our hands? And why do, because it's an expression. You know, I tell people, you know, people say, well, I just want, I know some folks who come in, well, I mean, I don't want to do that. I just want to hear the word. You know, no people like that. Because they don't understand. How many know that if you're, uncomf if you're uncomfortable praising God down here, how many know you will be terribly uncomfortable in heaven? Amen. I don't get it. People say they want to go to heaven, but then they come here amongst the people of God and they're scared to even open their mouth. They won't even stand. They won't sing. They won't do anything. And, you know, I'm just gonna, and, and you know, heaven, and, and they're uncomfortable around the people of God. What do you think is in heaven? <laughs> Everybody in heaven loves Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Everybody in heaven going to be seeking Jesus. Everybody in heaven going to be in love with Jesus. Everybody in heaven can't wait to be in the presence of Jesus. It's all, so if you're uncomfortable here, you ain't going to have no place up there. Are y'all hear what I'm saying, church? So look at the name and say, get over yourself. <laughs> get over yourself because you got to get over yourself. Mm, expressions of worship. Well, the Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2, it says, shout for the Lord, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship him with what? Gladness. Mm. Come before him with joyful songs, because you love him. Psalm 134, 2. This is why, why we do these things, church. I'm just giving you some scriptural context. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord your God. It says it in the book of Psalms. Lift up your hands. Well, I can't lift up my hand. Well, you got shoulder problems? Have you had surgery? I'm just saying. Why can't you lift up your hands in the sanctuary? Why don't it just come up naturally? Why, why is it that? Oh, let me think about it. Because you haven't been there. Are you with me? You haven't been there. We dance. Psalm 149 verse 3 says, let them praise him with the dance. Why are we dancing in church? Well, the scripture says, let us praise him with the what? Dance. Ain't nothing wrong with dancing in the church. Can the church say amen? amen. amen. Psalm 47.1, I love this. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. 
How many know we ain't, it ain't supposed to be? How many know if you're going to go to heaven and you want to be quiet, I got news for you. <laughs> now, the only thing that would be different is you, you, you'll be perfect, so you won't have no hearing problem. You won't have to be, you know, your nerves would be all right and all that. But I just, I just can't imagine that you're going to get in the presence of all that glory, all that splendor, and you're just going to be quiet. I believe there's going to be, a, I believe heaven is going to be noisy. <laughs> I believe there's going to be a lot of shouting. I believe there's going to be a lot of praising. I believe hands are going to be raised and people and knees and people are going to beat out on their knees and they're going to be worshiping. I don't think it's going to be quiet at all. Clap your hands. All you people shout. Church ain't supposed to be all quiet. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I've never been to a football game where somebody scored a touchdown and it's quiet. Let me know that when they score a touchdown, when they score a run, ah, you're screaming, but you come to church. Well, who told who taught you that? Who told you to do that in church? Just making you think a little bit. How many know Jesus scored a touchdown? How many know it ought to be some shouting hallelujah up in this place? Come on, right? I mean, he scored a touchdown. So it ought to be shouting in the house of God. Praise him, Psalm 150, verse 3 and 6. Praise him with the instruments, with the sound of the trumpet, with the loop in the heart. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flute. Praise him with loud. Everybody say loud. loud. <laughs> I just like to be biblical, man, you know. Praise him with loud symbols. I don't know too many symbols. It's kind of hard to hit a symbol. He said, not just symbols, but there's the emphasis there on loud. Everybody say loud. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, there's shouts of joy in the, in, the, in the tents of the righteous. Shouts of joy and righteousness and excitement and enthusiasm. Where? In the presence of the Lord. Praise him with, uh, watch this, verse 5. Praise him with loud symbols, then goes on. Praise him with crashing symbols. Oh, why you got to have symbols in church? Well, because the Lord say do it. Wake up! Look at the neighbor and say, wake up in Jesus' name. Bible says that we're to bow down before him in Revelation 7 verse 11 and 12 says all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures they fell on their faces they fell on their faces before the throne and they what? Worshipped and it said amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God where forever and ever Psalm 95 6 come let us bow down in worship let us kneel before our maker I mean you know, see, see church oh, here's what I want you to understand see if you are if you have a problem in any of these watch this church then you got to check whether or not you are really worshiping at all. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me explain to you something, because I don't want to be legalistic here. All of these expressions of worship is born out of a heart and a lifestyle of worship. You see, if you're loving Jesus on a regular basis, you're in his presence, some, this stuff just happens, man. It, nobody has to tell you to do anything. Are y'all here? So I came here this morning, and I can tell that I have some worshipers in the house. Because y'all are engaging. Nobody, how many know you should not need somebody to pump you up in Jesus' name? Amen. You should be pumped before you what? Get here. 
because you've been in his presence. See, worship is about being in his presence. Worship is about loving him, serving him, obeying him in his presence, a God consciousness. I'm constantly worshiping him all throughout the course of the week. Sunday is just a time we all gather together to do it. But it is an extension of a lifestyle that is already there, already worshiping. Now, let's talk about this issue of the heart for a moment. Because I kind of hit on it at the beginning of the service. And this is a verse, every time I read this verse, it scares me just a little bit. It scares me. Just, it, 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 I don't want to say scare me in a the, in the negative. It, it scares me in the sense that it, it, there's a holy uh, respect, a holy reverence that comes because I understand that it's possible to go through all the motions and do all the things externally, but still not worship God. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You know, it's possible to do, go through all the motions and not worship. You know, you can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can sing a song, you can clap, and still your heart not be in it. How you know, parents, we tell our kids, stand up, clap your hands, you know, and the kids are going to get, but how you know if it ain't in here? See, this is why we got to pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit touch people's lives. God, how many know God can change a heart? God can light people up on fire. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is why we need power. We need God to move upon the hearts of men and women everywhere, our boys and our girls. But the problem, church, is there's a lot of problems. The problem is our hearts. God wants our hearts more than he wants anything else. See, the heart got to come first. See, if everything is born, see, if our heart is good, see, when you give your heart to something, everything else naturally flows from it. If you flip the thing the other way around, at some point, it's going to manifest itself into what it really is. It works without a real devotion to God yet. Your, your heart is not engaged. How many know that God wants our hearts engaged? You see? Our heart got to be, watch this. He says here in uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse number 8 and 9. I think we had it. We saw it in the video. But I want to highlight this verse again. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth. In other words, man, they talk a good game. When you listen to them, they sound like they love the Lord. Boy, they're verbiage, man. In fact, they have all the Christian language. They know all the Christianese. They can say, man, I mean, they, I mean, they come in, boy, and they give me lip service. They say all kinds of wonderful things. They, they draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. But watch this. Here's, here's the scary part. He says, in verse number nine, in verse number nine, and in vain, I'm sorry, let me, let me go back. So, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Verse nine. And in vain, they worship me. In vain. So here's what he's simply saying. He said, they're giving me all the lip service and they're giving me mechanical stuff. In other words, they're going through the motion, but their heart is far from me. In other words, their heart is not in it. And you know what he says about that worship? He says, it's in vain. In other words, God is not receiving it. Why? Because he don't see it here. How many know that everything about God is about the heart? Amen. Everything. If you don't see, we put a lot of emphasis on the what? The external, because that's what people do. 
we size everything up based on what it looks like on the outside. This is why I love God so much. I mean, there's so many ways, so many things I love about him. But, but God knows my heart. You ever, like, you have people say things about you or, you know, to you, and they, they don't understand you. And, and, but understand to feel good that when people misunderstand, they don't get you right, that you can say, you know what? God knows my heart. He knows. He knows what I feel inside. He knows that I love him. He knows that my intentions were good. He knows that I didn't mean it. Everybody knows. God knows. And because he knows, it gives me peace. And how many know he knows when we're faking it? He knows when we're coming to church and faking it. Sometimes we're more focused on everything else other than God. We're looking around. We're looking at people. We're all over the place. We, I, we, and, God is, and God knows we're fake. And yet, somebody look at you on the outside, boy, they worshiping. I, I, I was talking to Brother Edwin earlier. I was joking around with him. But see, I grew up, oh, good God, I'm about to get deep on John. See, I grew up in a, so I grew up in a Pentecostal slash Baptist. So depending on who I went to church with, that was... That, that, that what, that's what determined my experience on a given Sunday. So I went with my mom to church. My mom church, they would do some shouting in there. I mean, they would, you know, if I went to my dad's church, a little bit, it's a Baptist church, a little bit different. But I remember, man, how I would see these folks, you know, because I would see them during the course of the week. These are people, and this is one of the things that, I'm, I'm, can I be honest with you? This is one of the things that kept me out of church for a long time because I thought church was a joke. It kept me because I saw people doing and saying certain things. I, I was a kid. I knew enough to know that ain't right. You, y'all said the Bible said don't do that, but you do it. You do it every day. You do it every day. But yeah, you're the main one in the church. Watch this. Y'all, you see. Falling up, foaming from the mouth, falling all over the benches. I, and I had to get, I mean, I'm, 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 get off of me. And then they go right back out there and live for the devil. They're not worshiping at all. And, and, but, but somebody will look at that and say, Woo, they were filled with the, oh, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, right. You're filled with the Holy Ghost by the way you live. What comes, you follow, you feel, that's determining how you treat people. Amen. How you treat your enemy. Oh, y'all, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. See, that's when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It ain't about you just jumping around shopping and shouting and following. You, you follow what I'm saying? That's what, that's why I get turned off about that. I'm all, I'm all about emotions. But motion can't supersede truth in my, I mean, I can't have it. Because, because that, that is not worship. Because worship is a lifestyle that is surrendered. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. That's true worship. Well, our heart is really in it. And so here in John chapter number four, in our text this morning, we read verses, uh, we read from verse 19, I believe, down to verse number 24. So this woman at the, this woman of Samaria, uh, you know, she had some problems. She was immoral. And uh, Jesus has an encounter with her. She comes to get some water. And uh, as Jesus is talking to this woman, he's saying, woman, I got some water that you drink of this water. Lady, you're never going to thirst again. And then she goes, oh, oh, give me that water. I want that. And Jesus says to her, I want you to do me a favor. Go get your husband. Well, I don't really have no husband. Jesus said, no, no, no. No, you, you got five. That's the reality. And, and the one you have now, he ain't your husband. But you, you, you got a whole bunch. And she, and she goes, mm, 
I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Think so, right? <laughs> and so she be, now, so Jesus now is, is about to minister to her, and she wanted to go into politics. You know, start talking to people, and and where they everything in their life they see it through politics. Y'all don't want y'all no, really don't want y'all don't want to talk this morning. You know, some of y'all believe that if you, Lord help me, Holy Ghost. So, so she wanted to get into politics, right? She goes, look at this, she, look at what she says in verse 17. She says, verse number 19, I believe you're a prophet. She says, now, first, here she goes, right into it. Nobody asked her about worship. Jesus talking to her, go get your husband, woman. She, wanted, she said, well, here we go. Our father worship on this mountain, and you Jews, you Jews, see, I'll put you in a category. You see? I've already put you in a category. How many know some of you talk to some folk and you put them in a category? If they're a Republican, you put them in a what? If they're a Democrat, you put them up. Ain't nothing new under the sun, is it? Yeah. So she goes, so you Jews. I like it. You Jews. <laughs> Say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship and all of that and, and Jesus. And hold on. I, wanna, I don't want to go to verse 21. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead of myself. So she says, so she goes into this thing. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. So she wanted to drag Jesus into a she wanted to drag Jesus into a situation where he's taking sides. Y'all, y'all, somebody, somebody gonna get this in a minute. Amen. How many know that people want to drag you into a position where you're taking sides? And so she wanted to drag Jesus into that. All that political ring about what's what, who gonna worship him, who gonna that, that was the argument of the that was their issue. That's what they fussed about. And so they were constantly fighting about, okay, you say, uh, I'm gonna hook up with this one, this one is right, that one is right, y'all say this, but we say that. And, and, and Jesus said, and Jesus so smartly says to her, watch it. He said, Woman, he said, believe me. <laughs> I love this. He said, Woman, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. So right there now, what you understand? So Jesus separates himself. He raises himself above it. How many know Christians? Hear me. You're, you're, you're on Jesus' side. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? So you got to be above politics. How many know that there are going to be no donkeys and elephants in heaven? They're going to be. You're going to be separated according to your party. Y'all listen to what I'm saying. All right, watch. Now watch. So so here it is. So now this woman wanted to define, she wanted to define worship, watch this, by her own terms, and she wanted to define it by a particular location. Okay? It's about, it's about this location. You got to do it right here. May, I don't know, maybe the, new, maybe the millennial have something there because one of the pushback sometimes we get from the millennial generation is, you know, because we tell people all the time, you, know, you got to come to church. Now, I believe in church. We used to come to church every Sunday. I believe the Bible tells us that. But, but, but we were wrong if we tell people that the only way you're going to really worship God is you got to come to church. We're wrong if we say that. We're wrong because worship is not confound to a particular with me. See, that's what Jesus was saying. He said, woman, well, let me tell you something. There's coming a time and now is, right? That you ain't going to worship in this mountain or the other. No, it ain't about that. He takes it deeper because that's what most people think. When people think, I mean, there's a lot of people who come to church and they think that worship is a thing they do on Sunday. Yeah. They confine it to a location. That's the church. I, that's where I worship at. That, I mean, we say it. I'm, I'm not knocking nobody. I know what you mean when you say it. 
But I want you to think, that's where I worship. Is that only where you worship? Oh, y'all stay with me? Y'all stay with me? Amen. Jesus said to her, he says, the hour is coming, woman, and now is, watch this, that the true worship, everybody say true. The true worship will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, when he says true worshiper, I'm not all that bright, but I'm smart enough to figure out that that if there's true worshipers, there are false worshipers. I'm just saying. So there's a lot of worshipers, but he, but Jesus draws the distinction. But the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers. The true worshipers worship the Father, watch this, in spirit, watch this, and in truth. So let's take the first one. So we worship the Father in spirit. In other words, without borders. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? No borders. It's not about, it's not, aren't you glad that you can worship God, that, that you can work any place, anytime, anywhere? In your car, in your home, in the bathroom, on your job, in the yard, doing yard work, when you're in the grocery store. How many know that's a constant attitude of worship? Because you're there. You're connected with him. It's like that internet, it's like that internet connection, baby. You're connected. Then you like it when you connect that thing. Connect. How many know God wants us connected all day long? Amen. All day, every day, you're what? Connected. So this woman was, in a, she was like a lot of people, it's about my location. Hey, you know, it's about coming to church. And, and this is why you have people that do one thing on Sunday and they do something else all the rest of the week. And then you see them show back up on Sunday. And in essence, they really haven't worshipped at all. Because their heart is not connected to the Father. Y'all hear what I'm saying? On a regular basis. How many know God wants your passion? See, how many know that your worship is reflected in your obedience? Y'all don't, don't want to work with me this morning, see? It's reflected in the way, watch this, it's reflected in the way how we treat others. See, I treat other people right because God tells me to treat other people right. So, what, so in essence, I'm worshiping them. See? I love my enemies. Why? Because God told me to love my enemies. And in essence, then, because I love my enemies, I'm worshiping, right? Because I'm obeying. God told me, do good to those who do wrong me. Why do I do it? Because God tells me to do it. I'm obeying him, and I'm going to do it. Why? And as a consequence of doing that, I am what? Worshiping him. You see how it's all tied in together? You see, you see what worship is? You see, you see what it is? It's not just this thing. It's not an act. Man, it's a lifestyle. It's reflected in our devotional time, time in his presence, praying, worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit means there are no borders that are worshiping him all the time. Walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the what? Flesh. These are the sons of God who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk in the what? Spirit. Walk in the spirit. We're called to stay in the spirit. And when we're staying in the spirit, it's an act of our what? Worship. Are y'all, am I making sense? I feel like I'm not driving this. I want you to get, see, that's an act of, see, that's worshiping. Now you're worshiping. But if you're just doing a bunch of cockwheels and you're doing a couple, a couple of circus acts and you're still living like the devil, you're not worshiping. And you can kick over how many chairs you want. You can shout, scream, and holler how much you want. But at church, it is much deeper than that. God wants our hearts Let's take this thing in truth. He says, worship in spirit and in truth. 
Truth means, simply put, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. Listen, listen, church. You can't even get it. You can't get it twisted. Even, even people who try to knock the Bible out of our society in some way, they'll try to discredit the Bible. This one passage, you can't even, you know, there's some passages in the Bible you can probably try to think of and try to say, okay, there's a couple different meanings out of that, but you can't even get this one wrong. He simply says, I am the way. I am the singular. Singular. I am the way. And boy, how do you know this generation, this uh, the generation of uni, uh, universalism, they don't like that. Why can't you, Sister Jean, why can't you just embrace all faith? All of us got the way and all roads are going to get us there. Now, if I, if I agree to that, then I'd be a liar. And I can't really say I'm walking in love. And I'm certainly not worshiping because he said I got to worship in truth. Truth is that here on Israel, the Lord our God is one. And there is no other God before him. He is the one and only. There is no other gods. Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh. Jesus. And manifested itself among us. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? So you got to worship in the truth. In other words, you got to acknowledge who he is. The God of the Bible. We have to do it. Because if, if we're saying that we're, if we're going to worship him, we got to worship him. We can't, we can't manufacture a God that we like. I know we live in a generation where people try to manufacture God. A make a, a make up a God or formulate a God. You know, we still got this thing of idols going on today. People just they just don't erect them up, but but they erect them in their hearts. And how do we know it? Because they fashion God according to their own likeness. I know the Bible says you ain't supposed to, you shouldn't do that. Well, I'm gonna fashion me a God that agrees that that's what I can do. You follow what I'm saying? And so people go off and make see. But but the book says worship Him in truth. Jesus says I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So we have to embrace his truth and what he says about himself, right? So we can't just worship any. No, we have to worship the God of the Bible. And then this other aspect of truth is just really transparency. How many know that worship, essentially, when it comes to us and God, it's about being transparent, about being honest with God? How many know God knows all your little secrets? He knows everything about us, right? He knows, your, he knows what you're going to do before you did it. Are y'all with me? So worshiping in truth meaning, you know what? I'm going to be transparent before him. I'm going to be honest with him. I'm going to tell him all my problems. I'm going to tell him my fears. I'm going to confess my sins. See, I'm going to be honest and open with God. He says, those that worship me, what's worship me in spirit? That means not just a location, but he's saying, simply put, you got to be with me all the time. You got to stay with me. You got to seek me. You got to love me. You got to want me. You got to obey me. All of these are acts of worship, but they, these are the foundations of worship. And you got to worship me in truth. And here's the thing that gets me, he says here. He says, in verse 23, but the father is seeking such to worship him. That bothers me a little bit. Did that bother you a little bit? That the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who made it all, the God who created the stars, the moons, the planets, the galaxies, people, he made it all that he have to actually seek somebody who would worship him. 
Does that seem right? I mean, think about it. He's the father is seeking such. Woman, you don't get it. It ain't about the location, honey. It is about being in the spirit. It is about being with me all the time and an awareness of my presence. God is seeking worshipers who are honest, who are transparent, who are in the spirit. Where are you today with that? Are you, in light of what we just said this morning, are you really a true worshiper of God? It's a question between you and God. Do, can you say with us, you know what? I am. I'm a worshiper of God. He's always in my thoughts. Everything I do, I'm motivated out of my love for him. I'm motivated. You understand what I'm saying? I'm motivated. My decision making, it, they are motivated out of my relationship with him. Because now I'm, I'm worshiping. To relationship model. I'm worshiping when I'm in relationship with him. And, 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 and you know, uh, we got to get rid of all the external, um, you know, emphasis and we got to start checking out our own hearts. We got to be honest before God. We got to be honest and open. Where am I? Where are you? God wants your worship. It's about living in his presence daily. It's about a sanctified lifestyle that seeks to honor him beyond Sunday. There is a connection how many know there's a, uh, my brother back here, y'all ready to go on vacation? How many know that you don't start worshiping God when you go on vacation? You, you follow what I'm saying? No matter where you go, you always worship. You, you never take a break from worship. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You don't take a break from worshiping God. You never do. No matter where you go, because it's not confined to this time and space. I want you to get that. Worship is much deeper than that, and hopefully today, the Holy Spirit showed you that. Did you receive that this morning? Come on, give God a hand clap of praise.